This is the Dive Bomb Squadcast, presented by Dive Bomb Industries. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Dive Bomb Squadcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We look forward to giving you a deeper look into the personal side of Dive Bomb that uh, you won't get through social media. So um, let's just jump right into it. Uh, I want to start with a few very important introductions. Uh, none being more important than the first one right here. I'm proud to not only call him my boss, but also my friend, the uh, founder of Dive Bomb Industries, Mr. Cody Stokes. Cody, take a hey, minute yeah. and uh, let's tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. I'm a Cody Stokes from St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised here. Uh, went to Mizzou or University of Missouri, Columbia. And um, let's see. Didn't grow up in much of a hunting family. Uh, both grandparents were from country, but uh, uh, dad and his dad had big time gun collection and shot skeet and sporting clays and all that stuff and started doing that competitively in middle school and high school and uh, hunted a little bit with my grandpa and then uh, got into hunting uh, in at Columbia big time and then shortly after was hooked. So I work full time in the office when I'm not doing that. I'm um, uh, out with these guys in the field and get little rest, spend probably a little time at home and uh, yeah, probably, yeah, that's it for me. Awesome. Someone else. Right on. Thanks, man. All right. Uh, next, we're going to have Mr. Nick Costas. He's uh, one of the finest photographers in the game. He's a, he's a great waterfowler. He's a uh, blast to be around, even if you do have to share a bed in a hotel with him. <laughs> What's up, Nick? Tell the folks about yourself. What's up, guys? I'm Nick Costas. Um, I, uh, I grew up in Virginia and uh, started really hunting about – Pretty much when I turned 18, um, I'd been once or twice before, but that's kind of when I started going kind of regularly. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm based out of Bozeman, Montana right now, but that's kind of questionable because I'm on the road all the time. <laughs> We've got a ton of trips going to see outfitters and uh, doing a lot of hunting um, with, with the company and the guys from Dive Bomb and it's been a uh, it's been an awesome year. We've gotten to see a lot of different places and hunt different species, different ways, and different scenarios. So, um, yeah, I just I just like to take pictures and go hunting and helps help dive bomb and look forward to this podcast. So, uh, so anybody that that falls along on social media, if you follow Nick, you'll see he's got a really, really cool, uh, unique style to his photography, and that was one of the things that really attracted us to him. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about what what uh, got you, who got you into photography, or what what inspired you to to take that route? Uh, I had a uh, I had a nine to five job working for a custom home builder, and. I wasn't wasn't really big on it, and I wanted to find a way to hunt and be outside all the time. And um, I ended up I was doing a J turn in a truck, which is basically reversing forty miles an hour and turning the wheel and doing a one eighty in one fluid motion and keep driving. But basically, I, I rolled my truck, totaled it, and uh, got an insurance check, and then just walked into a camera store and bought a camera and taught myself on YouTube and tried to make money doing it to able to hunt more and it kind of worked out i guess 
a J turn. Yeah, you ever done one of those? Is this is just uh, you tooling around, or is that for part of work? Or nah, I was being dumb. But uh, man, let me tell you, make sure you do it in a uh, parking lot or something, not in a field with a bunch of holes. Go for holes. So you just said uh, I'm living in uh, on the East Coast right now. I'm buying a camera and I'm up and headed west. No, I would already moved to Montana. I was just hunting all the time, and I was like, "Man, this—I don't want to go to work work on Monday and sit in an office with and eat Cheetos with my fat coworkers. I want to go hunting." And so, <laughs> I bought a uh, I bought a camera while I was out there, and just kind of made it happen. Awesome, man! All right, yeah. Well, next man, Mister Forrest Carpenter. It uh. It does not matter the species. This guy's—he's one of the baddest in the world uh, at running a call. He's a—he's a phenomenal pilot. It's been a pleasure getting to know Forrest uh, the past year. He's a true professional. Forrest, what's up, dude? Hey, man, that's awful nice of you. Yeah, um, like you say, my name's Forrest. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get into waterfowling at a young age. I think I was uh, ten when I first started going hunting. And, uh, you know, from, from there being in Colorado, the game's traffic and that's what got me into call, calling. Uh, so after working on that for a while, I was able to progress my skills to the point where I was wanting to compete in a few contests and fortunate to win a few of those. Um, a couple of them had a, a world title in front of them. So obviously that opened a few doors and, uh, gosh, spent about 11 years guiding right there in high school. I'd be in high school and, you know, on my weekends when I wasn't playing baseball. I was out guiding goose hunts and duck hunts all over Colorado and that opened up uh, even more doors. So been, uh, been fortunate enough to bounce around all over the country and, and get to do this. Uh, I grew up in a family of pilots, so that's what kind of led me to aviation. It's been something I've been involved in since I was a kid. So uh, flying and hunting and mixing it all together just works out really nicely, especially with, uh, you know, all the traveling that we do. And, um, you know, the first uh, first time I met Cody, I actually ended up sticking him in the back of the uh, the Super Cub that I've caught and gave him an airplane ride. And uh, he was pretty jazzed about that. And that's kind of what uh, what led to all of this. So, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty fortuitous how all this worked out. But, you know, I couldn't be happier to work with uh, guys like all three of you and, and everyone else who's involved with the company. And this has just been a blast so far. So I don't I'm not sure what it is about Cody, but there's something that that attracts him to left-handed pitchers <laughs> because myself and Nick and Forrest were all baseball players and left-handed pitchers. So I don't, I don't know what we got going on here, but it's, uh, uh, it's your, it's your physiques. It's nothing to do with, <laughs> with left-handed pitching. Here I am just thinking we were all the right kind of goofy. Right, that's we, right. He just likes that little goofy side to us. We have different. We got different bodies. Asher, even though he played in the MLB, he was like that tall, linky dude who like freaking submarine guy. And Forrest and I were just power pitchers. Bro, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you. I don't. I don't know if Nick. And, I don't know if Nick and Power could ever go together in the same sentence. I don't know about that. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> oh man. Uh, uh, no, I threw eighty poo. It's all good. <laughs> That's great, man. Um, so just real quick about myself. Uh, my name's Asher Tolliver. Um, 32 years old, born and raised in central Arkansas. Uh, started waterfowling probably five or six years old. Uh, 
went to a place called Anderson's Mental Ponds in Lone Oak, Arkansas. Uh, my dad would take my brother and I to the levees of those fish ponds with our single shot, 20 gauge, no decoys, no hide. And the, uh, the owner's hands, they would drive around and scare up ruddy ducks and, and scott for us. So it was, uh, it was basically a glorified, uh, dove shoot. Uh, that's kind of where the seed was planted and it, uh, just progressed from there. I became obsessed with chasing mallards on a public, public ground and flooded green timber here in Arkansas and, been a baseball player my entire life, so the schedule was was picture perfect for a waterfowler. Uh, duck season, it falls in the off season for baseball, which gave me the ability to hunt every day until it was basically time to leave for spring training in February. So um, I was blessed to cross paths with Cody through social media back in, I don't know, 2015-ish, and uh, the rest is, is kind of history from there. So... Um, you know enough of all that. Let's let's go ahead and jump right into to the good stuff. So, Cody, everybody wants to know about Dive Bomb, how it began. Let's let's take it all the way to the beginning and tell us how how Dive Bomb was created, how you got the name, and how you came up with the idea for the logo. Cool. Well, uh, back. Back when I was a kid, we didn't have, I didn't have a cell phone growing up. I sound, I sound old. I'm really not that old, but didn't have a cell phone. I remember getting the internet in the late nineties and, and surfing through that, but we cruised, uh, I cruised the Cabela's catalog. I mean, that's what we had. I mean, I cruised that just like Instagram. And I just remember when I was a kid looking in there and saying, man, I want to be in here, whether it's fishing or hunting somewhere or another, I'm going to get myself in this thing. Well, f- turns out we're never, we're not in Cabela's or Bass Pro, so we did create something in the outdoor world, but but uh, we basically we basically stay as far away from those places that we can. But I'll get back on track. Uh, I grew up shooting with my dad. Uh, I, I hunted a little bit with him. I basically hunted some duck clubs around St. Louis, but everything around here is basically clubbed up, which means it's just overran big money, big operations. You either got to have a rich uncle or dad or have more money than you know what to do with. But uh, I ended up hunting a lot in college, uh, public places in Missouri. So Eagle Bluffs and Grand Pass, hunted a ton there. Bunch of farm ponds out in Pilot Grove, Missouri, Boonville, places like that. Uh, And then after college, came back to St. Louis and hunted uh, a field in Chesterfield Valley. And it's uh, at Boone's Crossing exit. And you can see the lights of Amini's and Walmart and uh, the highway and everything just over the levee. But sat there. With five dozen shells, we ordered from Rogers and uh, would freeze our behinds off and just watch the geese fly right over. So uh, went back to the catalogs and the internet and looked for you know uh, you know uh, a cost uh, a cost you know appropriate solution to our decoy problem and not having enough and couldn't find one. So I thought to myself. You know, silhouettes, probably the least uh, barrier to entries here as far as tooling and upfront costs and capital go. I'm going to go to the park and take some pictures of some geese and uh, put them on some, some board and then see if we can get them to work. So did that. Spent a bunch of time at the local park taking pictures on my side and got a few uh, poses, all of which are, bla- are banded, believe it or not, uh, and put them on plastic and tried them and they worked. And then found a manufacturing partner and, and uh, had some... Some decoys ran more than I knew what to do with because of minimum orders. So uh, 
I took the units that we weren't using and I decided to put them on Craigslist. And the response on Craigslist uh, for the original silhouette was just phenomenal. I mean, it, it went crazy. Um, so then we didn't even have a we didn't have a brand. We didn't have a website. We didn't have anything, or I didn't have anything. We just had basically a product. Uh, so we took that product and improved it uh, and created a website and a brand, the brand being Dive Bomb. So uh, from Craigslist to a, a brand to a website and then direct consumer sales only. So uh, if the logo, people always ask me about the logo and how it came about with the logo. But, uh, you know, I drawn on pieces of paper, every plane ride or every piece of spare time I had, I was dueling up stuff and was thinking about doing uh, something involving my last name or something generic like that. And I was on a uh, hunting trip up in Saskatchewan with a couple old friends and we're scouting out the window and a guy in the driver's seat almost got annoying with it, but he just kept saying, look at those specs dive bombing in there. Look at them speckle bellies, you know, with this funny accent, whether it was made up or real. And he just kept saying, dive bomb, dive bomb. And I'm like, man, that that's it. That is it. And then we started talking and that same car ride, what are you going to name your company? And I looked at him, I go, dive bomb, man. I was like, you gave it to me, dive bomb. So, so doodled up the logo and, uh, made a stencil for, uh, made a stencil out of some, uh, some cardboard and spray painted the boxes with the logo on it. Uh, and they had paint runs and all that stuff, nothing crazy. And, and, um, yeah, put a full page ad in Waterfowl and then slowly but surely got into social media. And here we are today. I mean, I can't even count the number of decoys we offer on two hands and then the apparel and everything else. I think we have close to 30 something products and, you know, 12, 15 full time employees, a big warehouse uh, growing into another one. And it's just crazy. So, yeah, it's too cool with Dive Bomb. It's so relatable to everybody. I mean, how many times throughout the course of, your life, your waterfowl hunting life that you said, Oh my gosh, look at those mallards die bombing over there. Look at those geese bombing that field. Like it's such a common thing to say, um, you know, whenever you're out scouting or you're, you're sitting off the X while birds are die bombing the field next to you. But I think that's why it's so relatable to most, uh, to most people. And it's just cool. And it's kind of real. It's not like, blood masters you know or like anything like that but it's just it's just relatable and really cool but really fast i want to go back you told me a funny story how uh how'd you go about getting those up close pictures of those geese in that park crackers <laughs> crackers crackers or wonder bread was the choice no mine i'm a cracker guy is crackers okay yep yep they seem to go a little further than bread and it break up break up a lot easier so you uh, you just took those crackers, got down there on your side, and captured all kind of angles and all kind all kinds that's of where angles. It all started. So I, uh, Forrest and Forrest and Nick, being the professional photographers, I mean, f stop and shutter speed. So you're trying to create the least depth of field here. Someone else can jump in. So it's a high f stop, which is hard for lighting. Is that correct? Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly right. You know, you want a real high F stop. So you've got a, a large depth of field. So, so, you know, the entire goose uh, is in focus instead of, you know, just getting the face in focus or, uh, you know, just getting the tail depending on the angles. And, you know, Nick and I were trying to work on some stuff, uh, you know, some more pictures when we were down in Texas, trying to get, uh, get some new products rolled out here that, that I'm sure y'all hear about here sometime soon, but we actually found smart food 
was uh, pretty impressive. Uh, great results with the white cheddar popcorn. They're a big fan of that. That's funny. Awesome. Um, yeah, so yeah. A lot of it. A lot of it came in camera experimentation more than birds. So camera, camera, and camera settings and lighting main are a main factor there. Uh, that's how we got the. That's how we got the originals. So the original original three positions are from the same bird. Uh, that would be the upright, the resting, and the feeder. And then the fourth is from a different flock taken about a year and a half later. That would be the quartering away bird. Okay. And then Forrest was uh, and mentioning we've got we're going to have basically an alternative position coming out here, but we'll save that for another podcast. We can detail that later on down the road. Awesome. Yeah. So that's what's really cool about having two of the best photographers in the game, and and I think for where Kate is at, he's very very advanced for his age and for how long he's been doing it. Kate is another guy that does some really good stuff for us, but I tell you what, that's, that's the cool part about having these guys is I think, um, thankfully now you don't have to get on your side and your, in your hip and lay down to get uh, pictures of these geese. We can, we can send these two guys out to, to get our new shots for us. <laughs> uh, there's no sense in me even, tr- there's no sense in me even trying. They're that much good. They're that, they're that much better at it than me, you know? That's I'll tell you great. what, yeah, these guys, we're very, very lucky to have these guys there and insanely talented, not only great photographers, but good people too. I don't want to brag on them too much, but, um, Forrest and Nick, um, would you guys just take a minute, kind of bounce off each other, talk about, um, some of the things our listeners can, can maybe expect to gain, uh, from this, from this podcast. Well, um, you know, a, a lot of this with all the traveling we're doing, we're going to be talking a lot about our adventures. You know, we're it's awesome getting to go and we get to hunt all over the country with all sorts of different people from different backgrounds. Uh, and a lot of these folks, um, you know, haven't always been hunting with silhouettes. You know, this, uh, this silhouette and, and sock trend has really started picking up the past few years. Uh, so there's a lot of people that are learning it at the same time and, and a lot of people are trying different things that, uh, that you wouldn't normally think of. So, uh, you know, we're, we're not only going to be talking about where we're hunting and our hunts and what worked and what didn't work, um, but also some eh, kind of off the wall and unique hunting strategies. Yeah. And I think it'll be cool to, uh, cause we'll, we'll probably get started and we might, we might get started in August in North Dakota, or we might just start September 1st, but basically, what kind of if there's a season going on, we'll probably be around, and it's it'll be cool to kind of share what we're seeing as far as migration and um, bird numbers and how the hunting's been, and kind of just you know we're kind of going to be in the in the thick of things kind of all year, so it'll be kind of a cool way to get a scoop on what's going on around the country and different flyways. Definitely, yeah, that's. Um... I think that's one advantage to doing something like this is we can just get a, just dive a little bit deeper than we're able to uh, through social media. So I I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Cody, what are your thoughts with the uh, waterfowl off season, quote unquote, off season approaching of kind of making this an outlet to discuss um, new product releases or, or maybe projects in the works uh, are there any secrets, anything you want to, you want to drop on the people right now? Secrets. Uh, well, the long overdue floaters will be here late summer. You know, I, I typically get myself, uh, 
in a pickle here when I talk about new products because inevitably the release dates get pushed back. I mean, you know, you, you can lay out every single thing you can on a spec sheet and paper and you know, communications and everything, but when the product comes in and your final samples come in and they're, they're not to, to snuff or to par, then you just can't go to market with them. So that's typically what happens. So when I get on podcasts or, or tell people when to expect the new product, you might as well just go ahead and tack a couple months on, or I just need to have the wherewithal to tack a couple months on because it always takes longer than you think. And that adage, you know, um, everything good takes time or nothing good comes quick or whatever that adage I just butchered may be. That's, that's, the bottom line truth here. So, uh, but to get to the point, new products, floaters, uh, six original positions, two hens, four drakes, uh, the upright drake and the feeder drake are, I'm just uh, in love with them. The other two semi-rester uh, positions are very nice also. They're more cookie cutter, but the, the, the dabbler and the upright are gorgeous, just more new position, aggressive positions, uh, and then two beautiful hens to back them up. So, I've flown, a, flown um, a lot lately with Forrest in the plane, and you can see those drakes from from a long, long ways off, the white on their wings, the dark green head, and I think we've just nailed that color scheme. So uh, they're beautiful. Everyone should love them. The price will be there too. As far as major game-changing design changes, there's really nothing game-changing in the keel design. We went on a crazy keel tangent there for a while where we thought we had to be different, but uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And, uh, you know, the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid, always seems to work. So the less parts, uh, the least complicated, it has to be the better. So, uh, And then uh, past, you know, our sites are, are set on basically everything in this industry. So Dive Bomb Industries, uh, that's the company name, not Decoy. So we don't want to separate ourselves into a rig or a weight or something specific. Uh, we want to c- try to cover the whole in- industry eventually. But, I mean, we got an A-frame in the works. We got backboard in the works, uh, motion stuff in the works. Everyone's been begging for a flag. Um, uh, we've got a flag on a rope coming up here, something really cool that collapses. And then our, our gear. So uh, we'll have a shell, a mid-layer, and then uh, a base layer, all out of the best materials from one of the better manufacturers probably in the globe uh, that we've been working on. This has been just such a long project. It's crazy. To see it come to fruition will be crazy, but it's been years and years and patterns and things like that. They'll all come around. So this fall we'll have uh, probably a three-piece a custom three-piece uh, upper layer, and hopefully some bibs for people to give a shot and uh, try them out and save some money and have every bit of performance they have elsewhere. So, uh, Awesome, awesome. And going back yep. real quick to the floaters, um, Nick and Forrest, you guys have had an opportunity to get out over them and uh, see the way they perform more than anybody. You know, I, I talked to Forrest the other day, and he, he did a little flyover on the – is that the North Platte? you guys were hunting south platte and tell us a little bit about kind of what you what you felt like you saw whenever you were flying over those floaters and then the birds you saw down river man well i mean just to tell you how much i'm enjoying it i spent the past few days and it's a blizzard here in colorado or it has been and today it's six below so i'm taking a you know half hour here to kind of thaw out and then i'm going back out to take some more pictures over them and uh you know i'm just blown away i, I really you know, I, I expected them to look good, and I'd seen some pictures of uh, of some preliminary ideas, and I was impressed, but I didn't expect to be this impressed when I got them in hand. 
um, you know, that there's a lot of good stuff about them. And you, you talked about when I flew over, um, basically when I was coming down the river there, I was getting down well below the trees, probably 15 feet off the sandbars working my way up. And, uh, and I hadn't seen the decoys yet. So working my way up river, I look out my side, I'm 200 yards down river from the, the sandbar that, uh, that these guys were set up on. And there's a little group of mallards and, you know, you get the, uh, the high head alert Drake. And I look at him and it's like, wow, that's, that's cool. You know, it's kind of a neat perspective. Uh, and, and, you know, not 200 yards later as I'm coming up, uh, you know, I decided that uh, sandbar was a little bit short. I needed to go around and I wasn't going to be able to land there, but, uh, you know, I got my first look at those decoys and, it was you couldn't discern between what was real and what was a decoy uh you know they were extremely impressive from you know 15 feet off the ground and doing about 40 miles an hour which i mean it's pretty close to what a mallard's going to be doing so it uh you know they looked really good and in my further experiences i've been out trying to take some pictures and get some really neat uh, neat content with them lately uh setting up in small creeks that sort of deal uh, areas with very, very little current, but these decoys move like crazy. That's the other thing that blows my mind so much with them is um, just how much movement you get, especially the uh, the surface skimmer uh, and feeder pose there. It just, it dances on the water. It looks great. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, really excited about all that. I think they're, uh, they're pretty darn impressive. Nick, what have you gotten to see? That was what I was going to say is I like the heads are dark and, the cut, they just look like a duck. They're not like over exaggerated. You know, it's not like a seven inch bill on it and or like freaking, you know, two inch. Like it just everything look, it just looks like a duck. And the, uh, um, the movement that was the thing I was going to say is the movement's pretty impressive because we had them in the water with some other floaters and they just kind of they move, they move really well. You know, you had the opportunity to hunt them uh, for them to make their timber debut. And um, you guys got some really, really cool stuff out of that. How did you, you know, for tough late season birds here in Arkansas, birds have had a lot of pressure, birds that are paired up. um, What was kind of the response that, that you guys got, um, you know, the couple days you ran them in the woods? Uh, I mean, we had, we landed, we landed a couple birds like in the decoys, but then we also had birds like that just were super hole shy. I mean, it sounds the place that we had hunted, you know, I think it had been hunted pretty hard and, um, I mean, it was just typical late season stuff, but to see us on the last afternoon of waterfowl season or duck season in Arkansas to land a, a mallard in the decoys is pretty cool. Yeah. It's this time of year is, is, you know, it's tough. These birds, they get rafted up and then, you know, like you guys were hunting a small block of woods and it's, it's hard enough as is, but hunting those little small timber tracks is, you know, it's really difficult this time of year, but man, they looked, you know, aesthetically, they look so good. The posture is good. They're big, they're oversized. They sit up nice in the water. The colors are absolutely on point. Um, you know, I know a lot of people has been waiting on these a long time, but I'm telling you, they're they're going to be more than worth the wait. You guys are going to be really really excited about them, and you're going to kill a lot of birds over them um, this fall. Kind of getting away from the floaters. Another thing I'd like to do with this podcast is I'd like to bring on some some dive bomb users, maybe both new and old, you know, rookie and veteran hunters 
from from all over and just kind of talk to them about how they've utilized their dive bombs and how it's helped them become more successful in the field or maybe given them the ability to hunt places that they didn't before. Um, I think rather than like hearing it from guys like us that get to do this every single day, it would be kind of cool to hear it from people with a little different perspective from time to time. You guys think that'd be something pretty, pretty fun to do, bring, bring different guests on and let them kind of talk about their experiences over, over our product. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. We've, we've got a lot of people all over the country that are hunting some really cool places and, and, you know, a lot of people are hiking in and, and doing all sorts of crazy stuff with them. There's, there's going to be a lot to be gained that way. Awesome. Um, you know, so this is just a pilot. This is more just explaining kind of what you guys can uh, expect from us. Just a little introduction. And, um, is there anything else that you guys um, want to add that that's just on the top of your minds right now? Yeah, on occasion, I'll, I'll talk some about, uh, you know, one episode at least, we'll kind of go in depth on the airplane and, and talk about some of the travels and, you know, some of the things we've done here. I know we've gotten a lot of a lot of questions on the fan page about the airplane itself um, and, and and a lot of, a lot of interest in, in kind of all our other toys with the, the Sherp and the truck as well. And we can kind of, kind of talk about a dive bomb toy episode. Uh, I think that would be something that a, a few people would be pretty interested in. Cool. Cool. Cody, Nick, anything else you guys want to add? Uh, I think something live, like a Facebook live from the airplane would be pretty badass. A live view of the mallards in the Creek forest uh, spoke on or anywhere over a pond or whatever it would be. I think a live view would be pretty awesome. I'm not sure if that's necessarily safe or not, but you're a very safe pilot. I'm sure you wouldn't do anything crazy, but I think that would be awesome. Uh, yeah. And then regular old users getting on here and, yeah. and saying what they like and don't like. And Yeah. And I'd like to do some uh, with, with both Nick and, uh, and maybe Cade too in the future, if it works out and talk about photography, because uh, you know, there's, there's so that's such a growing field in the, in the waterfowl industry is photography. Uh, now that the price on some of these DSLRs and, and not even just, you know, reasonable cameras, but really top notch high end, you know, cameras is going down to the point where your average waterfowler can bring one. And I think there's enough on social media these days that, you know, people are seeing it's not that difficult to take a camera out. And even if you don't know what you're doing when you're getting started, it only takes a couple pointers. I mean, you know, Nick said he learned a lot on YouTube and, you know, I've been fortunate to hunt with a lot of great guys and wonderful photographers in the past who helped kind of get me going the right direction. And if all, uh, if all people need is kind of a nudge in the right direction, we'd love to help out in that field as well. Absolutely. Nick, you got anything? No, I mean, I think they've covered it, man. I think, you know, we're just excited to get the thing rolling. Yeah, so a lot of these podcasts, you know, there's be times we'll be separate. There'll be a lot of times that we're together. A lot of times we'll be on the road and we'll bring the equipment with us. Whatever we're hunting, we'll do it from hotels. We'll do it from lodges. Uh, we'll do it from from wherever we can get access. But, um Man, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, we're in the heat of spring snows here in Arkansas. I say the heat. Really, it just started, but it is kind of the heat of spring snows for Arkansas. And uh, we look forward to providing you um, with an update on that with a new episode very soon. Nick and Forrest are going to be down. 
uh, in town next week and uh, we'll be hunting and, and we'll, we'll check back in on that. And we'll talk about some things and some of their experiences after getting down here and grinding in the Arkansas mud for a little bit. But um, if you aren't already, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, jump in our uh, private Facebook group. Uh, you search Dive Bomb Industries Forum and Fan Page. That's uh, actually separate from our Facebook page. So it's a private Facebook group. There's some exclusive stuff in there. Um, for you guys that have not s- subscribed to our YouTube channel, you better get on it. We have over 100,000 followers between our social media networks and only 4,000 subscribers on YouTube. So let's go, people. We uh, we need you guys' uh, support on there. Keep this thing going. But uh, in all seriousness, our growth, it's been very, very humbling. We greatly, greatly appreciate your, uh, your support of this brand. And uh, we're going to keep doing everything we can in our power to, um, you know, to, to bring you awesome new products at, at great prices. And, um, you know, once you buy with us, that's, that's not the end of the transaction. We want to be able to help you out. We want to be available. We want to help you in the field as much as we can. We want you to be successful over our product. So if there's any way we can help you, um, please reach out. If you have any podcast suggestions, feel free to send an email, uh, or a text info at dogbombindustries.com or a three, one, four, three, Two two seven four eight six. Cody, Nick, Forrest, do you guys want to say bye? Uh, thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Looking forward to uh, bringing you some some interesting podcasts here in the future. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Thanks. All right, we're gonna keep doing our thing. Nothing slowing slowing this train down. Y'all be good. Thank you for listening to the Dive Bomb Squadcast.